this morning to River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We are excited about Jesus and excited about his word. And this morning is Missions Sunday, and we're excited about sowing seed into Grace Life International in West Liberia, Africa. And we salute Pastor Sunday Garjo. Joe, we salute you and declare that we are with you and excited to help you build a work in that nation. And uh, the Lord is with you. I have a scripture for you, Pastor Joe. It's in Psalm chapter 2. And I want you to know, thus saith the Lord in Psalm 2, verse 7. The psalmist says, I will decree, I will declare the decree the Lord has saith to me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And here it is, verse 8. Pastor, listen to this. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. The Lord is going to give you the nation of Liberia. And I prophesy to you, I declare by the word of the Lord, he will lay help on you, and you will take the nation of Liberia. And so, uh, Grace Life Church in Jemison and River Church here in Tuscaloosa, we are partnering with you as sister churches to cause it to be done. And we have seed in the work of God that you are starting there. And we say, God bless you. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. And pay attention. <laughs> hallelujah. Thank you for my shirt. I'm so blessed. Hallelujah. All right. Let's turn to 1 John, if you would. This morning, we are ministering out of the Word. How many of y'all are going to hear the Word in order to do it? We're going to hear the Word in order to do it. Not just hear the Word for, for knowledge. That's what we went to school for. None of us went to school, said, I'm going to take this class so I can do it. I complained about calculus because I, I tell you all the time, the first time I took calculus was at Texas Tech. It was a night class. He said, let's review for this first one, and then after that, we'll get to new stuff. I didn't, I didn't understand a word he said in calculus. I, I did withdraw from that class on Tuesday, hallelujah, because I knew it was bigger than me. Well, I had no intention of learning calculus because I had no place for, in my life that I could see. But here we are, the things of the word are perfect for us. And so we're here to hear in order to do. In other words, I'm putting things in my life that I'm going to be called on to get out of my life. And I'm going to be strong so I can help somebody else be strong. Are you? Amen. So we're here to hear the word in order to do the word. So we're paying attention. So we're regarding what Holy Ghost would say to me or to you or us that's different than the corporate sound, different than the message. It's specific. It's personal. It's unique. It's just for you. And that's how the Lord speaks to us. We have the still small voice, of course. We have the witness of the Holy Ghost inside. But a lot of times you'll be reading the scriptures and it'll jump out. It's been there every time for years, thousands of years. It's been there. But you and I see it by revelation and it speaks to us. Have y'all got little markings in your Bible that say July 17th, 
2014 and have it underlined, God was speaking to you and he wanted you to hear something that you would not or could not hear otherwise. Same thing with the message in church. You ought to come to church. You ought to listen to the word. The spoken word or the, the recorded word is just as important or just as powerful as the live word. But God wants to speak to you. And it's not that I have notes here and I have a, a design for you. I'm going to follow Holy Ghost best I can. But he's going to use this vehicle of the spoken, the preached, the taught word to speak specifically to you about your life, about direction, about uh, uh, teaching you which way you should turn. Turn left, turn right, stop. Giddy up. He might say giddy up. He's been talking to me a lot lately about giddy up, Michael. <laughs> Amen. Because you can be in this, this ministry thing for a long time, and we're all tempted to coast. I'm tempted to coast, aren't you? And that's where we all get in trouble. When we get bored with what we're doing, we will coast and we will look for something else. So before we start this morning... Almost forgot it. We're going to sow a seed into Grace Life International Church in, uh, outside of the capital of Monrovia. Is it West Liberia or just Liberia? West Liberia. We want to be sure and get this right. Hallelujah. We are sowing seed, and this seed is powerful. It's powerful to the kingdom. It's powerful to me and to you. It's powerful to this church. They're going to have something that's virtually impossible to think or dream about on their own. But I have things that are impossible for me to think about and dream on on my own. I hope you do. I hope that you're asking and thinking, which is the minimum of what you'll get with your always answered prayer uh, asking. It's the minimum. But God says, I want to cross that cake. I want to do something more. So... In the name of Jesus, we release this precious holy seed into Grace Life International Church. And we release it cheerfully, joyfully, excited, because we know the seed will return to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Men, people, companies, events are looking for me to make this seed happen. They want to be a part of this harvest, and they don't even know who we are, but the Holy Ghost does. So we thank you, Lord, for giving us a part of this great work, and Pastor Joe and his wife and this great church, we release our seed for success, for prosperity, and the work of the Lord to win West Liberia for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He supplies all of our need. Amen. Are you in 1 John chapter... First John chapter 5, look in verse 14. We're, we're ministering on the always answered asker. The automatically 
always answered Esker. Wouldn't it be grand? Wouldn't it be marvelous? Wouldn't it be a kingdom phenomenon if you could pray in such a way, not often, not flippantly, not cavalier, but when you decided to pray, you knew the, an the answer was coming. You knew. It'd be no different than taking a rifle, putting a scope on it, putting a target out there, and sitting down there, closing one eye, put your eye into the scope, pull the trigger, and suddenly a hole appeared in the bullseye. Well, that's what we expect, isn't it? We don't expect to hurt some farmer that's 40 yards off to the right or the left and, and just standing there, you know, chasing a cow. We expect the bullseye to be pierced, and that's what God has for you and me. But you got to be a master at it. You, gotta, you, got, you can't just flippantly just say, whatever, we'll just ask God, and if he does, he does, and if he doesn't, he doesn't. I want to have mastery over the things I'm called to. And I'm called to pray accurately. Are you? Uh, we're called to pray not nearly as much as we do, maybe, but specifically. So I want to tell you some things that the Lord's given us this year at River Church and just see if you can remember them. One of them that he gave us was that God wants to surprise you with his goodness. Could I have a better amen? amen. God wants to surprise me with his goodness. He wants to. He wants to. He's working on it. He wants to surprise me with his goodness. Well, God's goodness is good. It's, it's not boiled okra or, or fried artichokes or something. It's good. <laughs> no pickled beets in my little menu, Lord. Hallelujah. So, because we know it's the goodness of God that leads us to change. It's the goodness of God. Have we been on that? Well, if you've been here any time at all, you've heard me talk about that. Well, let's say something else. We'll say, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think. We've been talking about that, been laying that down, that track down in our life, that he is able. That's what the word says in Ephesians 3.20. He is able to do. He's able to do. So all I have to do is qualify for him to say, whoo, I got one. I'm going to do it for him. I'm going to do it for her. Another thing that he's been talking to us about, and this is a little while ago, but if he says that he's wanting to, uh, his goodness to be in our life surprises, we could also say that if we only knew what God was about to do, he wants to surprise you with his goodness. So just about the time you get discouraged or disappointed and there seems to be no clear path to get your life straightened out, then we, we, then we remember that if I only knew what God was about to do, almost all people quit in their faith right before it was about to manifest. Because that's the darkest time. And so they, they give up. But you know it's always darkest before it's dawn. Everybody knows that. It's never darker than right before the sun comes up. So if only I knew what God was about to do, I'd pay attention. I'd position myself. I'd get ready for what he was about to do. What, what, what about everything is turning out amazing, and everything that's not just amazing is still turning. It's coming. I got it. It's, I see it by faith. 
Everything, everything, everything is turning out amazing. And the few things that aren't amazing, they're still turning. It's just a matter of time. But it's not like it's not coming or God's forgot us or God didn't care or whatever. It's not that I was a poor little thing. God said, I don't, I don't want to help you. You're just a pitiful mess. It's not that. It's just that it's turning out amazing. What about everything God has is for a purpose to give to man? Remember, we, we've talked about that. Everything God has is for the purpose to give it to his man, his woman. And you think, well, everybody knows that. Hardly anybody knows that. They think God's got all this stuff. He's got the cattle on a thousand hills. Silver and gold is his. Why does he have silver and gold? Do you think he needs it? It's for us. So he's got it stacked up in the warehouse saying, this is Michael's warehouse. We're loading it daily. And the whole purpose is so that when he says, I need that, we've got it in the warehouse. What about this? Whatever passes through your life, there's plenty more where that came from. Whatever passes, whatever comes into your life that's good. You go, well, I just sowed something that was good, and, and we did this morning. But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to remind you, there's plenty more where that came from. Plenty more where that came from. We are never at the end of anything except lack and poverty and need. What about this? Whatever good thing that has come, it was not God's last, and it is not God's best. Let me read that again. Whatever, whatever good thing has already come into your life, it wasn't his last. He's got, and it wasn't his best. So, you know, we all say that they saved the best for last. Isn't this good? It's encouraging to know the truth. So I say, I say this is the season that's demanding us all to get in faith about what Jesus has done. What he did for me, who he made me, who he made you, the inheritance that he has, our authority and dominion over the devil, over sin, over the curse, over the flesh. I got this. You got troubles? Why do you think you have troubles? You just don't know enough. Because it's big God, little devil. They told you it was big devil, little God, but they were wrong. We read the book. <laughs> if you find a bug in your house, especially one that says roach on it, we squash that sucker. We, we snuff his life out. We have no funeral. We have no ill feelings about all of his kids that he left behind. We squash that little rascal. And the devil is a roach. He's an ex-roach. Hallelujah. I say, this is just me, but I say it's dangerous, dangerous, not just inconvenient, but now it's dangerous to not know who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, and what you can do in Christ Jesus. I say it's dangerous. I'd say that you were, had a bullseye on you. I'd say that the Lord, the devil wanted to make an example out of you. Remember, he's not trying to just kill you to get rid of you. He wants the reputation of you being a Christian, a God server, a God proclaimer among all the people that have been listening to you. He wants to kill you for their sake. He wants to maim you for their sake. It's your reputation that he's wanting to take away. Hallelujah. 
So we just choose here at River Church. We choose to be resilient. We choose to be stalwart, unshakable. We choose to be fierce in those two. Not just like, well, whatever comes along, we'll just do that. No, we're fierce. We're getting up and we're on it. Hallelujah. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for helping us these last few years and laying down some powerful things that we now can handle. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 in the King James says, This is the confidence. This is the confidence that we have in him. It's good to have confidence in him. <laughs> if we ask anything, isn't that amazing that the thing that we have confidence in him is not that the sun will come up or that gravity be around, that corn, you plant a corn seed and corn will come up. It says we have such a confidence, not in those things, but that if we ask anything according to his will, according to his will, according to his will, there's a qualifier, according to his will, what will he do? It says he heareth us. No prayer is unheard if it's according to his will. Boop, 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 boop. Locked on. Y'all watch the, the Top Gun movies and the other movies where when, when they say, they're locked on us, maneuver, get out of the way because the guy behind us is locked on. Whatever that means. Well, we're locked on too to the promises. It says, uh, let's go on, verse 15, and... So, said that to say this, if we know that we know that we know that he hear us, he heard me. I prayed according, I asked according to his will, and he heard me. I've got his attention. It wasn't like just a glance or a uh, kind of in the background. He's locked on. He heard me. He gives me stature. Number one, son's calling. This is God. What can we do? How can I direct your call? <laughs> it's like, God, don't you have a gazillion people to answer? He said, I'm taking care of them at the same time. I'm God. I, I'm giving you my full attention. And, and if we know that he hear us, look, 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 this blank check is coming out. Whatsoever we ask, whatsoever we ask, according to his will. Is that right? According to his will. We know, we know that we have, we have, oh my word, we have the petitions that we desired or required of him. That is just so powerful that really you could quit being a Christian, a nominal Christian, a baby Christian, just because you could say the Bible can't all be true because that's impossible. No, God, nobody, nothing could be this blank check that they just signed their name to it and said, here. Take that and go cash it. People, people unwind from this. If they say God can do anything, nothing's too hard for God, but this is personal because he's put me in the equation. He's put me as the asker. He's put me as just a child of God that has flaws, mistakes, a history of not getting it right all the time by any means. And here I am, he's saying, hey, you, over there in the, the shame and guilt and condemnation line. Get yourself out of there and get up here. I got something for you. Now here's my will. It's the word. Find something in there that you want, that you desire, that you require. Find something in there. Finances, healing. Find something in there. And if you'll ask me, I'll hear it. Won't go into the pile over here. I'll hear it. 
when you ask, when you pray, when you come to me, and I'll be on it. I'll be on it. Ah, you can't believe that. That's just too good to be true. Well, it almost is. Only thing it is true. It says in the uh, New Living. Y'all want to hear the New Living? Or you can read it. We are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything. Here it is. That pleases him. So I need to get over on his side. We need to have a conference first before we ask. Is that right? I, I need to meditate this and said, Lord, now this is what it says. What I need, is that what it means? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Lord, it's leukemia. And they say, you know, I'm 99% gone. He said, yeah, I got this. We, get, we even get the 99% gone. We have a little conference. We have a little conference. If it pleases him, why would it please him? Because I'm blood washed. I'm blood washed. I'm not just any old straggler that's out there, a sinner, a, a woe be gone. He said, I got this. Now, y'all, this is the hardest message that you can preach to any people, is that God is so good, you can hardly get your head around it. Now, I can preach where you never know what God's going to do or God works in mysterious ways as wonders to perform. And they go, yes, amen. Preach it, brother. <laughs> but if I tell you God loves you and he wants to give you anything that you, he's already pre-qualified you for, just ask and he'll bring it. It's like, we can't handle that. That's the shame of where the church, the big church, the worldwide church Religion, that's the shame of where they brought us, where we think like that. If your parents gave you a busting when you were little that you deserved, and if you didn't deserve it, you'd done a bunch that you hadn't got busted for that just catching you up. And you said, I'm leaving home. I can't take this anymore. It's not fair. You'd be a fool. I said, you'd be a fool. Because it's better than you think. And God's better than you think. Hallelujah. The BBE. Bible in basic English. I don't have enough room to write these things down. This is what it says here. Uh, and we are certain that if we make any request to him which is right in his eyes. That's the part I'm looking at. Which is right in his eyes. Well, it ought to be right in his eyes if he wrote it down. Amen. Quit writing down stuff that's not right in your eyes saying, this is me. Quit signing your stuff, God, if it's not you. If it's not pleasing to you. If it's not certified by you. Quit putting stuff in the Bible that you want me to believe if it's not right. Would that be a fair request? I oh, sure it would. Tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That's what we're asking God to do. And then he's asking us, well, believe it when I do. Well, I can't do a lot of stuff, but I can do that. I may have to work around some stuff. I may have to throw some religion out. I may have to throw out some inferiority and some guilt and some shame and some past things and memories and experiences. I may have to deal with all those, but I can do that. I can do that. Climb every mountain and, you know, all that stuff. I, but I can do that. Will I have to work on it? Yes, ma'am. Because that condemnation comes up and says, ah, you are a dirty dog. 
Yeah. This is so good. I think I'll preach it every week for a while. Hallelujah. It says, any request to him which is right in his eyes, he will give ear to us. That's interesting. And if we are certain that he gives ear to all our requests, we are equally certain that we will get our requests. So the great qualifier here is not, is God big enough? The great qualifier is not, am I good enough? The great qualifier is if I'll ask anything according to his will. I can do that because I can read. My Bible is in English. I happen to read English. Now, hable espanol, maybe there'd be some things I'd stumble over, but I got this English thing. I can read. So if he wrote it down in English and I can read it in English, then the qualifier is whether I can ask according to his will. Say, I can do that. Come on, say it. I can do that. So there's nobody in here, nobody on broadcast that says, I, you know, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. That's how you got born again is because you believed the word. You, you saw a promise that said, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. But if you'll give your life to Jesus and call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. That's how you got born again. So you did, you did it once. So every promise in the Bible, we said this last week, every promise in the Bible is his will. Well, there's a yeah, buddy, lots, bunch of promises, and they're all good. I said they're all good. Now, you might read some other faith books, the Hindus, the Muslims, the Buddhists, or whatever, and it wouldn't be good, the promises. If you do this, we're going to cut your head off. Maybe that's not so good, but this is good. John 15, 7, Jesus said, if you abide in me, can we do that? I can do that. And my words abide in you. Can we do that? I can do that. Then he said, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So we have to have some conversations about the abiding. His word abiding in me and me abiding in him. We have to have some conversations about what he likes, what pleases him. What's in his will? Because not everything, you know, should I take this job? Not everything is in the word. Should I marry this woman or should I marry these three women? Or yeah, That's in the word. You, 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 you can find that one. But we, we have to have some conversations, and we called it pre-prayer prayer, where you say, God, you, you qualify yourself, you sanctify yourself, you consecrate yourself and say, I don't want anything you don't want. I'm not going to do a runaround trying to manipulate God and say, well, I want it for this reason. <laughs> when you don't, because gosh, he's a heart reader. He knows what you're thinking. <laughs> so we have to be straight up and have a conversation with him and say, do you want this for me? Is this right? And then we go to the still small voice. The Bible teaches us that peace is the umpire for doing the will of God. You, you ask him, what about this? And you either feel gravelly inside, or you have peace. And it's like, whew. And you go, well, is that a guarantee? Absolutely. And you can road test it another way by coming around and asking him something on the other side of that, and then checking what's inside. 
You go, well, that's hard. No, it's not hard because it's you. You can do that. And if you get your heart honest and just say, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. I don't want anything you don't want, but I want. Now, here's the big one. I want everything you want. Now, that's the yeah, buddy, big load right there. I want everything you want. Well, there's some stuff that we don't, that he wants that we may not be ready. So we have to grow into that. If he says, I want you to be a, a missionary. We go, I'm not asking that. <laughs> but what if he said, I want you to handle millions of dollars for my kingdom. So I need you to straighten up on some little stuff that you're messing around with, that you're fooling with, you're not being honest with. You know what's right. You know what I have, but you're, you, you're afraid, you're fearful, you're unbelieving, you won't do it. But what if I've called you to be a paymaster? What if I've called you to lay hands on the sick? What if I've just called you to be a good, good Christian man or woman, and then I'll tell you about what we're going to do with that later? What about that? Well, so that's not just saying, God, do you want me to not do this? Asking him what he does want us to do. You got to answer your call. Nobody can answer it for you, and you have to answer your own call. It's personal. There's things that are all generally right. Don't sin. Don't mess around. Pray. Go read the Word. Those are things for all of us, but there's some specific things that you got to do. I had to move from Texas to Alabama. I know y'all are maybe tired of hearing that story, but it's a big thing to me because it was a place of consecration for me. People are moving all the time from one state to another. But for me, I, there was no reason for me to move. And I heard him. I road tested it. I, 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 we pushed everything up against the wall. It says, if this, if this doesn't pan out, we're done. And if we just couldn't get it. We even sat in a, in a big hotel in Lubbock, Texas. We was asking God, what about, what about? And looked over, and get the odds of this. Looked over, and there was a manhole cover in this hotel, and it said, Vulcan Ironworks, Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> oh, my word. And y'all might not believe this, but I, I was not tuned in. We came back from Tulsa one time asking him about it, and he and turned on the radio, and guess what was playing? I'd never heard Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> you go, that's not proof. You're right, it's not. But it lined everything up that was already lining up. And it was just like God says, I got something you can hardly believe. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give it to you to just put you over. Hallelujah. So we're talking about being an always answered asker. Is it hard? Well, it is challenging. Because religion has slipped in and said you never know what God's going to do. And so we've, we, we're bought into that. We're bought into that. Y'all nod your heads because we've bought into that and we all know it. We've bought into it's tricky with God. If he just give me a set of rules, then, then I could follow him until I didn't want to. But it's tricky because it's not the same for all of us. And turn with me to Luke chapter 11, if you would. I, I got to giddy up here. Luke chapter 11. We looked at this, but it's, we're going to graze it again from a different angle. It says in Luke chapter 11, look in verse 5. No, look in verse 8. Look in verse 9. <laughs> I got it finally. <laughs> look in verse 9. I mean, we could read the whole book, but we'll, we'll, we'll do this. And he says, I say unto you, 
Here's another one of these outlandish sayings to you. You just, you just can't believe the Lord's not on drugs or something when he says this because it does not make human sense. Did y'all get that? It does not make human sense. The carnal man can't handle this. And if you can't handle it, it, well. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone, say everyone. everyone. How many? Everyone. everyone. For everyone that asketh receiveth. Now that's deep and wide. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. Sounds pretty broad. Sounds like it's not real narrow, tricky, tricky, and you got to do it just right and hold your mouth this way, and you got to... He says, just ask. Ask according to my will, and it shall happen. What's hard about that? How many of y'all know God's big? He's able to work with us. He's able to work with you. So you miss it a little bit? I, he, he works with us. He works with us. Now, if you get to fine-tune in your life, and you have to grow up to do that, and you have to say, God, narrow is the way. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way. Your, my life, your life, our life is getting narrower. We, things, God, he'll let you do anything, but he's not going to bless the stuff now that he used to let you have pass on. What does the word say? Uh, to whom much is given, much is required. You go, well, I need to be 80 years old for that. No. Being 80 doesn't make you. I know some 80-year-old fools, and they are just fools. They didn't learn anything in their 80 years. But I know some young men. Young men. They're not even 40. David, when he went out there and whooped on the lion and the bear and, Samson and Goliath, he wasn't, how old was he? 18, 16, 17? He wasn't very old. I can do it. I'm older than I've ever been. Okay, it says, but now let's look up here in verse, uh, now I'm going to get back where I was supposed to be, verse 5. Verse 5. So let's go in front of that. Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight? Friend. Say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey has come unto me, and I have nothing to set before him. So someone's asking a friend to be a friend. And he shall say, and he shall from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. That'd be a good excuse to get up right there, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, you sent somebody to get me out of bed. I cannot rise and give me, give thee. I say unto you, now here's where the Lord Jesus, he set it up, and here's where he pulls the trigger. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend. So the demand was there, but it didn't, it didn't reach the bar. You're not that good of a friend. I don't owe you that much money. Because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Importunity. Now let me read you a couple of versions where uh, they get it wrong. The Amplified says... Because of his shameless persistence and insistence. That is a wrong translation. 
In other words, you just, you just carry on with God in prayer and just bug him and dog him and just razz him just all the time. That's not right. That's not what the word means. The King, New King James says, yet because of his persis persistence, that is not right either. Those are wrong translations. You understand the Greek is the only thing that we can really go by. These are all translations. But the strong says, in other words, you don't, you don't just keep getting on God until he just falls over and said, whatever. That's what our kids do to us if we let them. They just keep pulling on you, pulling on you, until finally you either, well, you do something. Hallelujah. But the strong says this word impudence or, or importunity is the word impudence, and it means cocky boldness. Do you write in your Bible? I'd write it right there. I've got it in mine. Uh, I've got shamelessness. Shamelessness. And here's what the word means in the Strong's. It's an assurance, an assurance, an assurance accompanied by, look at this, a total disregard of the opinions of others. We don't care. We're going to get it from God. And we don't care who we have to drive over, run over, get around to get it. We're on it. Now, if you have a, a dog or something and they have a favorite toy, if you throw that toy to them and they get it, and you say, well, bring it to me, and they start running the other way, or you bring, you're not getting that toy out of that dog's mouth. And he doesn't care how many treats you gave him yesterday. And what, no, the word means cocky, what did I say? Cocky boldness. It means also, here's the other translation, shameless forwardness. Do y'all know these people? Doing the wrong thing, but still, you can't believe what they're saying and asking. You can't believe how, how forward they are with what they're asking you. Can I borrow your car for the weekend? No. No, you can't, but you can't believe he asked for it. He hardly even knows it. And he puts his garbage on the street on your side. It means offensively bold. This isn't us, is it? This isn't us. We, we are cultured. We are, we got manners. And we don't be offensively forward. It means not begging at all. No begging. So let's put that there in there. Though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his shamelessness, and boldness he will rise and give him as much as he hath needeth. Well, yea. Shameless boldness does not offend people. But I'll tell you what does offend people is begging. Begging offends people. It offends me. You want to offend me? Then beg me for something that you hadn't asked me for. And give me an opportunity to ask me strong. So I, I, need your, I need your truck for the whole weekend. What are you going to do? I'm going to drive up and see my girlfriend in North Carolina. It's like, that's not even a good reason. You're going to go see your mama and take her last breath. No. But because of his cocky boldness, you say, 
Okay. People don't like drama, and God doesn't either. Now, I'm going to talk to you real straight here. I'm the pastor. It's my job. And I do have some of this cocky boldness on me. I just don't care. The Lord told me, do your job. So y'all are not my job. I mean, in the sense of saying, was that okay? Was that okay? I do my job. So, you, you know. So whining, let me talk about whining, because I got a little revelation of that the last week, and I didn't bring it. Whining is drama. Say it with me. Whining is drama. People don't like drama. They want a straight shooter. Are you a straight shooter? You should be a straight shooter. Kind. Couch it in kind words and, and embroider it with, uh, with blessing. But always be a straight shooter. No whining. No drama. Why? Because whining is manipulation. Y'all nod your head when you got that part. Whining is manipulation. In other words, ask me for the real reason that I should give it to you or do what you say, but don't manipulate me. Don't go around the corner and say, well, you know, this or that. No, just say, I need it, and you've got it, and I'm asking you for it. Now, see, that's what God likes. He doesn't like whining. Whining, you don't like whining. I sure don't like whining. Whining is manipulation. Whining is begging. Because you can't ask it for the real reason that, they're, that they should give it. So you've got you to gotta play on their emotions, and you've got to drag this thing out, and you've got to see if, if your whining will move them, if they'll, their emotions. But you know there's always regret after that. If you give something to somebody that's whining or begging, as soon as they drive off with your stuff, you're saying, the drama's over, and you're going, that was a mistake. I, I fell for it many a time. Uh, uh, whiners. Uh, never give in to a whiner, I wrote down. And never let anybody under your authority get away with whining. Stop it. Stop whining. And here's the reason why. Because when we grow up and we've been, got everything that's good from whining, and we need to be an always answered asker, but all we know to get from people and things is whining, we go to God and we whine. We can't give him a real, number one son's here, carrying out the will of God, doing my job, answering my calling. I've come for supply. I've come for funding. I've come for healing. I've come for favor. I've come. And God says, wow, that's what you're here for. Boom. He will do it. But if you come and say, well, Lord, it's hard, and I don't really know if they'll do it. And I, no, you can't get nothing from God. And that's what Christians are known for, is they don't think they can get from God based on, I am the righteousness of God in him. I am blood-bought. I am a soldier of the cross. I'm an ambassador to the nations for him. What I need is what he, and what he has we're fixing to transact. Because the only reason he has stuff is to give it to me. To do the job. To do the job. To do his job. To do his job. I'm not asking for me. 
Now, if your couch is worn out and you need a new couch so that you can lay before the Lord and seek him in a dream, well, you know, you can tell him that. And it might work, you know, or whatever. I just tell him I need a new couch, Lord. It doesn't look good when I have the neighbors over. Hallelujah. Never let anyone under your authority whine to get something. Never. Never give in to a whiner, a beggar. Never give in to a beggar. You like that word better? Beggar? And here's why. Because whining and begging is complaining. Because if you had a real reason, you wouldn't need to beg or whine. You'd just come straight up and say, here I am. I'm coming to get my stuff. I'm coming to get the door open. I'm come." But when we, when we whine, we complain that we're having to beg and whine. Complaining is actually accusing him of not supplying all my need according to your riches and glory. Of, of not healing me when I'm in desperate straits. We whine because we're complaining. Instead of being bold and going to him based on what he, what pleases him. Just ask him for a million dollars. God, you gave me a million dollar project. I got $173.26. We need a little transaction here. And you just tell him straight up, straight shooter. According to your will, according to your word, according to your pleasure, I have come for the stuff to do your job. He said, I, I already got it in the warehouse. The wealth of the wicked, the wealth of the sinner, the wealth of the unbeliever is stored up for you. I've been gathering it up. I don't have it here in heaven. I've put it in the hands of people, in their bank accounts, in their... And if you'll go ask them, like I had my children in Israel, ask the Egyptians, you'll be an uh, 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 Egyptian plunderer. Because <laughs> they've got it. You don't have it. But he's got it in a place you can get it, so you just go ask them. We're leaving Egypt. I need that gold bracelet you got on. Oh. I just give it to you. You go, that can't happen. It can, according to the word. Well, what's it going to take? Some cocky boldness? Now, Christians don't like this. They want to be regular folks and just sit back and process the checks and process the blessings and be regular folks. But you're not regular folks. You've got, you got a fire inside of you. You got, somebody, you got somebody in you that wants to do business, and he wants to use you to do it. So are you going to blend in or just be like other folks and get the kingdom done? Never. I'm preaching real good. Y'all aren't, aren't hollering just yet, but I'll just keep on going until something happens. <laughs> uh, Mark eleven twenty four. don't go there, but in the Passion Version. It says, this is the reason. This is whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. The Passion says, this is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. Believe, believed you have received it, and ye shall have it. Why, Lord? To believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. So here's how I have to go. This is how you have to go. You have to go to God and you say, I've got a situation. Anybody in here ever had a situation? <laughs> it just about chokes you. 
God, I've got a situation which you are well aware of, but I will articulate it because you asked the, the blind man, what do you have me to do for you? So I'll just tell you, I need to get healed of blindness, or in my case, I need this or I need that because I've got a situation. Then you ask him, how do you want me to handle it? Ah, oh, that's novel for a Christian. Like almost all Christians, like, I figured out how I'm going to handle it, and God, I need you to get on board. Well, that's not the best approach for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's like, he might have a better idea than you do. You reckon? I said, you reckon? Yes. He, the higher you are, the, more, the further you can see. So you go to him and said, how do you want me to handle this need? And I've got some ideas, and I'll run them by you, and I'll see. I'll do some pre-prayer asking, and I'll see how it is in here. And I'll know, you'll have, there'll be a peace comes when I hit it. And if it's not, it's just like, that doesn't fit, that doesn't work. So uh, in 1980-something, I uh, had a church in West Texas, and we'd hit the end of our rope financially. It, it just, there wasn't any money. Well, there was money, but there just wasn't enough to do what we were doing. So we asked the Lord, said, how do you want us to handle this situation? And he said, I want you to take your paid for 1980 Suburban, which was my third child in life. I love that car. I, lo I, I love that car. He said, I want you to take it to Lubbock, and I want you to sell it for $8,000. I want you to buy a used car, pay cash, and put the rest of it in the church and sail on. We got to get over this little short spot. You go, well, no, God, that's not how I want you to do it. I want you just to have money come by from Brother Big Bucks and drop it in there, and I just sail on with my 1980 Suburban, which I loved. That's not what he said. So we took the Suburban. I got out of the car and went in and negotiated. The guy wouldn't give me 8000 He would only give me 7900 So I came out after I'd pulled the trigger and told her, you talk about a... How can I say this in church? A whooping. I'll just say certain parts got whooped. <laughs> but anyway, it was close enough. And I came home and we bought us a used Cavalier, one that had been wrecked and repainted and, and all that stuff. It was just nothing and it was nothing. So that's what we drove. And so uh, in January, that was in summer, in January, the Lord said, ask me for a new car. Now, I'm going to teach y'all some, something here. Ask me for a new car. And so the logic is, why does Jesus want me to ask him for what he obviously knows we want and need? And besides, we're driving this little thing. And, you know, but he said, ask me for a new car. And here's my point. God likes things. Say it with me. God likes things. Now, you, that may buffalo your religion, but I'm telling you, he likes things. He gathers it up and puts it in the hands of people just for you to ask him for it. And then it's called a transfer, a transaction. And, and favor is what does that transaction. So he says, ask me for a new car. And so uh, we did. We said, Lord, we believe we receive it. Um, and let's see if I got this right. Yeah, this was, no, excuse me, this was the summer of 93. I got my dates wrong here. He said, ask me for a new car. And he had hid a brand new black 
Chrysler Fifth Avenue, la di da. Eric's kid, Eric's friends thought it was a limousine, and they called him uh, G Money, whatever that means. But he hid that for us. A dealership was going out of business, and they had one car they could not, had not sold. Went to the bank and said, "Would you loan us the money?" And I said, "Hey, punk, you're not getting money for a Fifth Avenue." And so uh, we went another avenue. We asked God, what do you want us to do? Another avenue. He just financed the thing, and we got it for less than, we got a real big deal on it. Would I have picked it out? Never. But the Lord picks out stuff better than you would have picked out many a time. Here's my story. In the summer of 96, we were in Trustful. Had moved to Alabama. We were in Trustful. Just moved here. And the Lord said, ask me for a Lexus. Now here we're going to blow some religion out of the water. You go, now God would never say that. He says, ask me for a Volkswagen or ask me for a Peugeot or a whatever those things are. He said, ask me for a Lexus. So we loaded up and called around and we found a little ES300 in Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, it didn't have a moonroof, a sunroof. And, the, and the, the, the salesman said, they don't make these without sunroofs. It's never happened. It will never happen. But there it was right there. He said, we got to get rid of this thing. People come by and say, I wouldn't have that junk mess without a sunroof, but we'll sell it to you. Ask the Lord and he'll tell you where the stuff is. So we got lots of persecution over having the Lexus. Bought some after that. I bought some more Lexus. It's, I, you know, I don't know. But uh, we got what was fit for the master's use. It's a little white ES300. It was a wonderful car. In the summer of 97, I'm giving you all some examples of asking God about what he wants to give you. Uh, we were, we were uh, going to Texas before we moved to Tuscaloosa. So we'd moved to Trustful. We hadn't moved to, to Tuscaloosa yet. So we went to Texas to preach. And... Uh, Let's see, he, he said, believe me for a new house. So we were about to move to Tuscaloosa. He said, believe me for a new house. I promise you we weren't looking at new houses because we're, we're living by faith, which means live by the least and the get a buy and, and don't have much and nobody else wants this. That's what you live by faith on, right? Not according to God. He said, believe me for a new house. And I've told you all the story. We got a new house and we got it before Eric checked into school at uh, Hillcrest, which was, they all said was amazing. So my point is, is if you want to have Bible results, you got to do it the Bible way. And close enough is not close enough. Now, when you're first starting out and you don't know anything, you don't know what from down, come on from Sikkim, you can get by with a lot. And we all have. He'll encourage you and just close enough is close enough. But when you've walked with him for a while, and you know the answers are in here. He expects you to get in there and get the answers. And when you've had someone preach it to you and testify of how it works, you have no wiggle room to say close enough is close enough. He did this 10 years ago. That's how he'll do me again. He won't. Now, he's merciful. And if you're, you know, my father-in-law always said God helps. Little children and idiots, which left me no room. <laughs> left me no room when I was needing help. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 30. I'm not, I'll just read this. Matthew, Mark. 1030 says this. 
he, uh, verse 29, Verily I send you, no man has left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake, and the gospels. Look, look. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands. And then there's that little sticky thing that says, with persecutions. There's a persecution for doing it God's way. There's a price to pay to your emotional pride, and your standing in the community, and your Whatever makes you look like an idiot because you sold out to the way of God. But pay no attention. When it works, they'll want to know how it works. And they'll quickly come over to your side. But you've got to make it work. And you can't care what they think. You've got to have that, what do we say, cocky boldness. God, I'm going to do it your way or we're not going to have it. Now that's a big statement. Because we all have what we call plan B. And God don't care about your plan B. I've had a many a plan B. And they are not just plan B. They are plan RZ. They're so far down the line. They're there. No. He doesn't have any good plan B. You can get by, but he, uh, he doesn't. So God wants you and I to prosper. He wants you to have everything. He wants you to not think about money. Point yourself with me and say, hey, you, don't think about money. God's got plenty just to give to you. Now, I'm telling you, that's the truth. Quit thinking about money and money will come. If you think about you and think about money, you're going to ask stupid prayers. You're going to pray wrong. You're going to pray out of the will of God. And he, his hands are tied. It's like, I can't help that because that's not how we do it. And you know how we do it, and that's not how we do it. You find out what the will of God is, and you come to me, and you talk to me about it. Do a little pre-prayer asking, uh, and, and I'll straighten it out. And then you go into the chamber, go into the place where you can stop for a few minutes and say, God, I'm here to do business. I'm here to transact. I'm, I've got the gun loaded. I'm fixing to pull the trigger. And I've asked you, Lord, where, what's the target? What's the bullseye? Where is it? What is it? And I'm going to shoot it, Lord. And so what things I desire when I pray, I believe I receive them in this closet. I believe I receive them. And I declare unequivocally, unwavering, I have it. Not I will have it, I have it. Well, you're going to be a little obnoxious and a little funny and everything when people hear about what you have that you can't show them. But that's how faith works. And you're just going to have to buck up and bear it or do without. But God wants you and I to have plenty. He's done everything there is to do for you and I to have plenty. He wants you to quit thinking about funding and supply and meeting the ends. If we will quit thinking about the funding and start thinking about the funder, he will then be free to take care of the funding. But you can't get your mind off of it. Oh, a deadline's coming up. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Just pray. God, I need this. How do you want me to handle this? How do you want me to handle this? Because I know you know, and I know you want me to know. But you have not because you ask not. Or you have not because you ask amiss. Isn't it funny how God wants you to ask him what you know he already knows you need? 
Well, there's a little humbling in that. There's a little humility involved in that. So, uh, and here's the other side, and I'll quit with this here in just a little while. <laughs> Do y'all feel that good, little peaceful feeling come over you when I said that? Hallelujah. Uh, God wants you to be a part of somebody's harvest. Who is the one that's, that you're expecting God to give, men to give to me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over? Why is it always somebody else that's giving to me? Why is it never me being a part of somebody's harvest that's believing God? Well, you've got to have some stuff. You've got to have some dollars in El Banco. <laughs> Did y'all get that translation? You've got to have some stuff. Dollars in the bank. El Banco, you can get that. You got to have some stuff. And the only way to get stuff is to ask him for it. Him say, you know, I, I got a plan for this money. Let me just drop 10000 on you. Amazingly, surprisingly. Don't spend it until you get permission. It might or it might not be for you. It sure might or not be for now. And then he might say, I want you to sow two grand over here. I had to get it to you a little early, but I knew you could hold it. I knew you weren't going to be a wild-eyed idiot that just goes off and spends it on yourself, knew, knew this and knew that. God wants to cut the time lapse. I'll say this and kind of quit. He wants to cut the time lapse between when somebody prays and says, Lord, I have a need and I'm asking you about it. What do you want me to do about it? He's wanting to cut the time lapse between when you speak to the mountain, say, be thou removed, be thou cast and see, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have. There's a time lapse in there. Speaking to the mountain till he shall have. He wants to shorten that. He didn't want Abraham waiting 25 years. But they had some serious issues with what God had told them to do and to have and to be, and God didn't relent. He didn't say, ah, y'all are idiots. I'm just going to have to do this thing anyway. He made them wait. It wasn't, it wasn't God holding out. And so he wants you and I to cut the time lapse. So if somebody in my life or someone that comes into my life said, I'm believing God, or the Lord just says, give. Give. Just give to Pamela. Just give to Wendy. Just give to somebody because they're believing me for a harvest. I tell you, there's nothing much more special than being a part of somebody else's yes. harvest. Yes. And this morning, we were a part of Grace Life International's harvest. Because yes. the other day, we sent them money a while back. And instead of just spending it on clothes and furniture and everything... He went out and bought rice and toothbrushes for, for the poorest of the poor that were in his community and spent, his, spent it all. And, and, of course, our money goes far there, but we were a part of his harvest. And now somebody's got to be a part of mine and a part of yours. I like this. I like knowing God's got this thing. When people say God's in control, what they ought to say is, he's, God's got me in control. And he just never lets me steer. He's always over in that other seat saying, let's hang a left. You're fixing to run over something. I say, oh, I can do that, Lord. I like how you do stuff. 
exceeding abundantly above. Remember that scripture that's in uh, Exodus where it says that, the, that Moses had to stop the people from giving because they gave too much. And Moses says, cut this off. We have too much to build the tabernacle. Well, that corresponding scripture in the New Testament is Ephesians 3.20. I want somebody to give to me too much. But I got to get a flow going. Now, I have a pretty good flow. Do you have a pretty good flow? I mean, we're on it. It's not like we just got, you know, an anvil fell on our head and we woke up and said, oh, but there's more. Because we, I, I, I was in a meeting one time, I did, and the pastor got up and said, we're going to take an offering for the billings. And he said, uh, wow, you might even give $50 to them this morning. Did you, see the, did you see the lid on everybody's giving right there? You might even give $50 this morning. He was capping that thing off. And then he said, I'll just tell the whole story. He said, and we don't know what they're going to do with this money. They might just sow it back to the church. We didn't. <laughs> he might not. <laughs> but anyway, I'm saying you got to get out. We all got to get out of this little system, this little regimen of, of that keeps us small, that is not evil. It's not like, well, I'm going to go to the casino or I'm going to go to the horse track. We're not doing any of that, but we're thinking small, and therefore we're having what's religiously acceptable for Christians to have and do. And we're not called to be r religious Christians. We're supposed to be leaders and, and point men and out there leading the track. I am supposed to, just me, do what you will. I'm supposed to handle millions of dollars, but not for me. But I'm going to administrate them. I have no idea how that's going to happen. But the first, the first step is for me to say, I will. For him to say, would you? And I say, I will. And I'll tell people. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for helping us today. You lay help on them who are mighty. And Lord, today you are like Shanita and like Jonathan and Kimberly. You are making up time. You are, you are laying help on us and helping us make up for stuff that, that got lost and clogged and other people took advantage of and, and, and we just didn't see it or whatever that we've all been in. Lord, you're helping us straighten that out so that we can be at the right place with the right words, a word in our mouth. For the, right, for the people that are in that place at that time. And it changes everything. I want to be a life changer, Lord, because you've been my life changer. And so I put you on. I put on the Lord Jesus today. I put you on, Lord. I say, I say no to everything that's hindered me. And I say yes to everything you're turning me loose with, Lord. I, I say yes. Don't even know what that means. But Lord, since you signed the check that was blank, I'm going to sign a check that's blank too. I'll go where you want me to go and I'll do what you want me to do on your time. I'll just do it, Lord, and, and just let you direct traffic because we're here like Esther for such a time as this. We've been trained up for we can do the work for this day. And we give you thanks for trusting us with so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ah.
The Baptists are all glad. They're so happy they're in the restaurant and you're still in church. They're so happy this morning. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's good. Didn't even tell a joke this morning. Did y'all notice? Didn't have time for that. We're about to jump into something at River Church. We're about to jump into some stuff. So just get ready. The pieces have come together. Everything's in place. You're going to like it. It doesn't mean that it's, you know, we're all expenses to Tampa and sit by the lake, sit by the pool with, with bonbons. It's not that kind of happy place. It'll be happier than that. God's going to turn us all loose to do what we've all wanted to do for all of our life. So I bless you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I bless you. You are resilient, you are stalwart, and you are fierce. And you are fearless. There is nothing that you are afraid of. You are fearless. And you always win. In Jesus' name, all, amen, amen. God bless you.